Welcome to another episode of Coffee Pods, where we are concluding our series on coming to Jesus. Um, I'm joined by Wes. Hello, Wes. Hi, how are you doing? Very well, thanks. Are you all right? Uh, yes, I think I am. Uh, it's, <laughs> uh, it's nearly Christmas, and uh, so... Well, we're we're very much a Christmas family. We love Christmas, so that's uh... oh, that's great. That's really good. Um, if you're joining us for the first time, my name is Lisa. You can also catch up on all of our Coffee Pod episodes by just going to wherever you listen to your podcast. Um, and we've also got the accompanying um, Acorn Christian Live episode um, over on our YouTube channel for for this particular week. But uh, we thought it might be nice to sort of round up everything we've looked at, all the stories we've looked at of people's encounters with Jesus. So. Um, Whereas what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to pull out some of your key points uh, from the stories we've looked at, things maybe you really enjoyed, things that have left you with questions, uh, for example. So we'll try and keep this to 20 minutes and touch on everyone that we've looked at. Um, But hopefully these takeaway points will just be really helpful for those of you who are listening um, and journeying uh, with us. So Wes, week one. We were reading from Luke chapter five, weren't we? We were looking at the leper. Yep. Very um, correct. <laughs> I think the thing that came out for me, and, and of course, every time you read the, the Bible and, and, and you look at the stories, you, you come up with something different. You, you think, oh, wow. But, you know, the thing that keeps coming out of that story is not just that Jesus is willing. And, you know, the podcast talks about it's the only time he's questioned about it. And he says, yes. But actually, the thing that came out for me is that in our lives, nothing is untouchable to Jesus. There's, there's no no-go zone. There's nothing that he's not willing to get involved in and to transform and to change. And of course, but alongside that then, there is nothing that's outside his reach either. So, you know, I've, I do imagine myself standing, you know, with, with the disciples and watching Jesus literally reaching out a hand to do the unthinkable to the untouchable, you know, and I just think, oh, wow, you know, I mean, it, and, you know, I have this thing, I, I want to go to the DVD library in heaven and see this when I get there. And, and you know, what, I mean, that was so shocking, but I, I realised that for Jesus, there's nothing that's untouchable. It gives me some courage, particularly, I think, in, in the realm of, of healing, just to say, yes, Lord, you know, why not? Yeah. Right. That's brilliant. Thank you. And uh, I wonder, maybe, I mean, we'll we'll always pray at the end, but if there's something um, that you consider untouchable or someone else may have said is untouchable, out of reach, um, just hold on to that as we carry on through these next stories. Um, and that may be something that you can bring to God as we pray together at the end. But then we, we stay in Luke, don't we? We jump to chapter eight for week two. And we look at the story of Jairus's daughter, who was um, un- seriously unwell. Um, can you just share a little bit more about that one? Yeah, well, I mean, I love I love all the characters in, in the stories. Um, and of course, for Jairus, one of the things we talked about is that this engagement with the healing of Jesus is going to cost him. Mm. He's the synagogue ruler. Uh, this is not a great career move. Okay. Uh, as far as he's concerned, um, you know, this is like swapping teams in Manchester. You know, this isn't a great thing uh, for him with all due respect to anybody who happens to be in Manchester uh, today listening. So this is going to cost him. 
and and I I love in this story and and you know it is a, an incredibly um, serious thing to the point that the professional mourners have turned up because she's um, either dead or literally about dying. Um, but you know the interesting thing is that Jairus has organised a funeral, and Jesus organises a faith party. Because he throws out all the the, the 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 wake people, all the all the people who've come to to mourn and weep and wail and and whatever, and he takes in with him Peter, James, and John, which are like the sort of the faith team, if you like. And I I it made me wonder um, about the power of faith in Jesus when we meet with others and we say, let's have a faith party. Let's let's talk about the things that Jesus has done and let them be like 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 bricks within us, building a a, a place on which we can stand in faith. There, there's lots of reasons why we can doubt. Yeah. I think as as disciples in Jesus, we we can build on another's faith. So actually, I said to a friend on the phone, church leader, he asked me what uh, he should do about something. And I said, hold a faith party. Get people together and just say, hey, there's only one th rule as we eat together. We're just going to talk about the things that God has done and build our faith. Yeah, I like that a lot. And also you you quite often mention about sharing in other people's blessings and, you know, rejoicing in other people's blessings, yeah. which I think is is so important, especially when we, we struggle sometimes to see the good and the blessing in our own life. Yeah. Um, our faith can be increased and it can grow by sharing in other people's blessings which i suppose is part of a faith party isn't it <laughs> yeah it is and and even if you know the stories that you tell are stories about somebody else that's great yeah. come on you know yeah. but you're absolutely right having a generous heart is quite a a uh, an enrichment of faith for us yeah it does something to us it really does Fantastic. Um, so then also from Luke chapter eight, we looked at the woman with the bleeding. And this actually has been quite uh, relevant for us because we've been praying for somebody, haven't we, at Acorn, yep. um, who's struggling with this particular issue. And so it was it's quite a challenging um, story to read, but a very encouraging and timely one. So could you bring out something from that, Wes? Yeah. In fact, one of the things that we do as part of the uh, Acorn Healing Academy is we look at the, the healings that Jesus performed and we put on them the medical names because I figured if Jesus already done it, it might be easier for us to go and just copy what he did and mm. do what he did. So, yeah, we have been praying for this uh, this lady. Um, I think the the interesting thing, of course, is she's waited for 12 years. And she's done everything she possibly could. And and actually, I do understand that. And in fact, you know, I really do um, honor those who have um, either as those who are ill or those in the medical profession who are doing everything they possibly can to help others. Absolutely. And I would say, yes, absolutely do that. But also in the end, she comes to Jesus um, and, and when we're at the end of our rope, when there's nothing else to do. And I love this woman's faith. But the thing that came to me out of that, what was the 12 years like for her? And I bet, you know, there were moments when it wasn't great. Um, but I realized that God's purpose is pure, even 
when my understanding is only partial, even when I only get a little bit of what he's doing and I don't see it all, I can have confidence that A, I'm not forgotten, that I haven't been sort of dropped off the end of a list, you know, that I'm not being shuffled down, um, you know, a procedure list, um, but actually that God's purposes uh, for me are pure, always pure, and that he is at work in in my life and my circumstances. And for those that we pray for, he's at work in those circumstances, even though I can't see it, understand it. I know that he is. And that gave me some encouragement that, you know, I, I imagine that this isn't the first time that God is aware of this woman. Yeah. And, and I think that God always uses every opportunity to draw us to himself, to draw us to the place of wholeness and healing because his purpose is always pure. Yeah, thank you. That's a really helpful point, because often we can feel as though when things are going on for a long time or even you get like repeat things like repeat behaviors, repeat yeah. sicknesses, you can just feel totally abandoned or though even God might be testing you, you know, things like that. When actually, as you've just said, his purpose is pure and that's something really good to hold on to. Yeah, it is. And I particularly, you know, um, for people who've got things like ME and stuff like that, when it it keeps biting back, just to be able to say, yeah, today's not good, but God's purposes for me is still pure. Yeah. You yeah, know. that doesn't change, does it? No, that's right. Wonderful. Okay, so, <clears throat> excuse me, week four, we're still in Luke. We looked at the centurion servant. This was one of my favorite ones. Um, go on, Wes, expand a little bit. Uh, yeah, absolutely right. I love this one. In fact, that's where we got the phrase, just say the word in one of the healing psalms that, that, that's uh, on uh, available on iTunes and all that sort of stuff. Um, I love this man's faith. Bearing in mind that as a military commander, he has um, commanded men into battle and they have just done it. And so I think there's a there's a moment there where you want to think, gosh, this is no lightweight. You know, I guess this man had muscles and everything else, but he identifies in Jesus the issue of the authority that he has in the natural realm, he sees that Jesus has a different and significant authority in the spiritual realm. He can command people to their death. Jesus could command people to their life. And so for me, the thing that came out of that was that phrase, just say the word. And I guess for my own life, Lisa, and for Acorn's ministry, I want to keep journeying to the place where we have a greatest, greater confidence in the word of God. If Jesus just, just say the word, Lord. I love Jesus' prayers. Be healed. I mean, that's pretty good. Isn't it? that's a... <laughs> it's to the point, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Um, and so we come back like the centurion to say, Jesus, all I know is all you have to do is say the word. Yeah. Because you have that authority to bring life. And that encourages us as we pray for people and pray with people. It really does, because I think, you know, a, a part of us as probably just human beings is when we come to pray, we, you know, we'll say, if it's your will, God, or, you know, if, if you're willing or if it's part of this person's plan. And actually, maybe all we need to do is just w- what you've just said is just say the word, Jesus, and let it let whatever he's going to do happen as well. Yeah, I mean, I know it's controversial, so I appreciate that. And we're probably going to get letters in and stuff. <laughs> 
But I think it's always God's intention. It's always God's intention to do good and to pour out life. And, and like with the leper, he's at the willingness of Jesus to heal is only question once. And he says, of course I am, you know, yeah. why wouldn't I, you know? And, um, you know, so I think I, I always treat everything as uh, why wouldn't God do this? You know? So yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so we also looked at the Syrophoenician woman um, in Matthew, didn't we? And that was a bit about the badges that we wear. Mm. I mean, it's a great healing story, and, and we're not told how the, the 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 demonic trouble started with the daughter. It interests me that Jesus doesn't just say the word and say, "Hey, go fine." It, it, it interests me that he engages with the woman, which sort of hints to me that that in a way she's she's got something to do in this. Um, I, I love that. I you know, often praying for children with children, um, we don't. Um, ignore the parents. The parents have authority. They have something given by God over their kids. So we always draw the parents into prayer when we're praying for children. And, and, the, and the daughter is wonderfully released. I think it's beautiful. Absolutely. If you've been a parent with a sick child, you'll say, yes, please. But you know, the other thing that comes out of this has been that Jesus not only heals the daughter, but he deals and heals with the woman. And that's where we got the badges thing, because she's, you know, the whole idea of the dogs and eating the crumbs and stuff. And I think Jesus is saying, is that how you see yourself? Because that's how the Jews would have seen her. And I think he demolishes that, that badge, that lie, which says you're less than worthless. And I think in the end, he commends her for her faith. And, and I, you know, again, I want to find her in heaven and say, what was life like after that? What happened to you after that? Because, you know, Jesus, go, your faith, <laughs> you know, absolutely. And I'd say, oh, man, if Jesus said that to me, I'd be, wow, come on. So I, I love the story that um, we can let God's words describe and define us. You know, so, you know, um, people can say, where's your this? But actually, I'm more interested in saying when God says, Wes, this is who you are. Yeah. Live like that. Yeah. And I think a lot of these, well, all of these stories have an element of, of that in them. Um, mm. that, that, yeah, that Jesus is always drawing them into a place of discipleship, isn't he? Yeah. Um, and we'll touch a little bit on uh, last week's story, actually, because I think they link quite well. But before we get to that, we did look at Nicodemus, didn't we? Yeah, we did. I'll be quick on this one. Um, I just love the fact that Nicodemus, intelligent, articulated, theologically adept, you know, university lecturer, brilliant, doesn't answer his question. <laughs> <laughs> he has to come to Jesus to get his question answered. And I just want to say to people listening today, you've got questions. You know, why why hasn't healing happened? Why why is this? Why is that? Take them to Jesus. He's happy with that. Yeah. He, he's more than happy for you to come bring your questions yeah no that's that's brilliant um and so yeah we looked at um the story i think it was last week we were looking at it where the woman at simon's house she was washing jesus's feet with her hair and oil and tears mm. do you know if this had happened in church we'd have all been really embarrassed we would have yeah yeah i mean it, it seems sad that often as christians we look at people with passion and we think they must be emotional, they must be, you know, unbalanced or whatever. 
Um, but this woman, I mean, oh my word, the, the level of, of, of emotion in the room, the level of passion and devotion of gratitude. I think sometimes, do you know, I wish perhaps our services had more of that in it. I think we'd probably struggle less to communicate how God does work in lives if we let people see how it has affected us rather than packaging it up in in a locking it up in a in a way that we think is 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 respectful and decent. I think sometimes we hide the grace of God because we don't let it loose. The African churches do. I love that. I mean, I love being with the African churches. They just let it right out, you know, yeah. joy, sorrow, whatever it is. Yeah. But in this one, I, I, I love the fact that, um, you know, Simon, who's the, the Pharisee in whose house uh, Jesus is in, wants to replay this woman's story. You know, look at her. And actually, Jesus wants to end the story and take the DVD out and yeah. then burn it. You know, yeah. and say whatever story had been replaying in your life that holds you back, Jesus is willing to stop it and give you a new story. Yeah. And 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 in that, I love the fact that that she comes behind Jesus, behind his feet, to 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 wet them with her tears, wipe them with the hair, and anoint his feet. So she comes from behind Jesus, not feeling that she's worthy to face him. And in the end, Jesus turns around and faces her. And, and the whole conversation he has with Simon, he has looking at this woman. Amazing. And I just think, you know, I can imagine her face and her whole being changing with every word as he just looks at her and says, you're not this, you're something new. And I just think, oh, wow. Come on, Lord. Wow. <laughs> you know, if that's a biblical cry, yeah, come on, Lord. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, in, in actually in, in Pentecostal churches, if you're preaching well, uh, they say hallelujah. If you're not preaching well, they say help him, Jesus. And, um, <laughs> and, and I I just imagine, you know, people saying, Oh, come on, Lord, yes. Yeah, yeah. I actually I heard a song the other day um where one of the lines was that nothing can separate me from his beautiful gaze. Oh. And I was like, yes, <laughs> literally nothing can make him turn away. Oh, that's yeah. brilliant. I, I want that song. That's great. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. It's, uh, uh, the artist actually is called Judah, if anyone is interested. Okay. I'll Such go and look wonderful, at it. Yeah, really brilliant worship leader. Um, I think we've missed Zacchaeus out. We oh, did Zacchaeus we did. up the tree, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. Um, Zacchaeus being up your tree, you know, mm. um, I, I love the fact that uh, that having done everything to hide from Jesus, but desperately willing to see him, that Jesus goes and finds him. And I just want to say to people, um, Jesus knows where you are, he even knows which tree you're up. But Jesus knows where you are. And, do you know, if you ever played hide and seek with little grandchildren, they get to the stage where wherever they're hiding, they shout out and they say, Papa, come and find me. You see, because <laughs> they know that's the purpose of the game. The purpose of the game is to be found, not to simply hide. And actually, Zacchaeus is up his tree. And basically what he's saying is, Jesus, please come and find me. And Jesus does. 
So to all the, the podrishners out there, all listening, Jesus knows where you are. And you can shout out, Jesus, come find me. Amazing. And so that, I mean, this is a real whistle-stop tour. I think we're doing really well. <laughs> um, but that brings us to today, to uh, the final week where we're reading from John 1 at Acorn Christian Live. And we're exploring and we're just reflecting on how Jesus comes to us. Um, so why don't you just share a, a short little point on that, Wes? I think the beauty of this is that it was always God's intention from before the foundations of the world, before anything ever happened, before any let it be. And that's not the Beatles, that was Jesus. (laughs) Uh, Before God says, let there be, do you know that God had in his heart such a desire that if in using free will, we should ever become separated from him, he would do the very thing that would unlock that curse that we put ourselves under and that he could bring us back, that we wouldn't live forever without him. And, and I, I imagine that in this thing, as, as they're contemplating, I, I wasn't there, but as the Father and the Son and the Spirit are contemplating this, and I imagine the conversation and the Father says, we have to find a way of bringing them back. And they work out that it's a sacrifice And I think Jesus says, Father, if it comes to that, I'll go and do it. And I think the Spirit says, and Jesus, if it comes to that and you go and do it, I'll come and raise you from the dead in three days. And and I think such was the passion that not born out of a a human decision or a husband's will or natural descent, that God wanted to bring us back to him. And that word was Jesus. And, and that, I love that fact. It says that, you know, he came and dwelt among us. And that's the tabernacle word, you know, that just as that, as God tabernacles with Israel, Jesus comes among us. And I just love the fact that he always comes to dwell with us. He always comes to stay. He's not a, a fleeting visit. He comes to inhabit because he wants to draw us into the Father's heart and love. And so that's what caught me with not only us coming to Jesus, but Jesus coming to us. Yeah, thank you. It's wonderful. And I mean, we've so enjoyed looking at these stories and we hope that you guys who are listening have enjoyed it too. And um, you can listen back um, or you can ex- you know, explore the stories again, over, maybe over Christmas if you've got time. Um, but we, yeah, we, we've really enjoyed it and we look forward to um, next year and bringing you a new series of Coffee Pods and Acorn Christian Live. But before we do finish, as usual, Wes, I'm going to ask you if you could just pray for all those who are joining us. Whether today's your first time or you've done the series with us, today, may the Father's love be with you. May you know that there is nothing that is untouchable. There is nothing outside of God's reach. May you know that Jesus is always willing to intervene in body and mind and spirit. And may your faith rise. May the stories that keep replaying in heart and mind as we bring them to Jesus, may they stop and may God give you a new story. But may God always dwell now with you. May you know his presence over this Christmas season. But just as God came to draw us into the Father's heart, 
Today, may the Father's love touch you in body and mind and spirit. And I bless you, standing in the name of Jesus, I bless you with his life and his love today. For your body, for your mind, for your spirit, and for the days that lie before you, may you know the presence of Jesus, his healing, saving, restoring presence. Amen. Wonderful. So we'll catch you guys in the new year. And thank you, Wes. Merry Christmas. And Merry Christmas to you. God bless.